SWF. SWF. We're going back in a time machine to 1992. And I was uh, watching TV. I saw John Gotti get sentenced to life in prison. Uh, And then uh, right after that on Entertainment Tonight, I learned about Euro Disney opening up. (laughs) 1992 Euro Disney making a splash. Uh, You know, because that's the thing that Europe needed was uh, fake plastic castles. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have enough of those yet. No. I feel like, uh, and then also, all of the stories from Disney movies were written by Europeans in the first place. So I'm sure they wanted to hear our version of The Little Mermaid (laughs) (laughs) or see our stereotypes of what uh, French men were like in the form of Gaston. (laughs) <laughs> they're like ah, I don't know if that was I don't know if that's our uh, what what we're really like. How long did uh that that park stay open? Do you know? Oh man, I I have no idea. There must be a, a documentary The Rise and Fall of Euro Disney. But going to Euro Disney, it just feels like like going to Italy and just the first stop is a Pizza Hut. <laughs> just <the> Sparrows. <laughs> yeah. Or you're in the you're in the airport in Shanghai, and you're like, I I just need a Panda Express stat. <laughs> um, also in 1992, uh, the Rodney King uh, riots happened, or as uh, some people might call them, the insurrections in Los Angeles. Insurrections. Yeah. So depending on where you are on the political spectrum, it's a riot or an insurrection. And I'm gonna lean closer to insurrection. Okay, I'll I'll second that. Yes. Uh, I don't. Do you go to any um? Middle school dances around this time? I sure did. Hell yeah. So you probably heard Jump Around. Yeah. On on loop. I mean, it was on loop in, in, at my house. <laughs> in my room. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, finally a rap song by a white guy. Yeah, tough, tough white rap. I mean, I guess the Beastie Boys were the were like the premier first white rappers, but they're only, they're, they're white, they're passing. Yeah, but they didn't, they didn't seem they're tough. Ju- they're Jewish. Yeah. So they, they still fall into the... Uh, um, disenfranchised minority status, like a slightly less tough third base, <laughs> where House of Pain was actually. Uh, they seemed tough. Yes, they had a lot of fighting in the video on St. Patty's Day in Boston, even though they're from LA. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I was uh, when I wasn't at middle school dances, I was definitely want, uh, playing Street Fighter Two on an NES. Me too. And, uh, freeze frame, and you know, uh, just coming of age, just uh, <laughs> nascent uh, puberty. Probably uh, freeze framing Chung Lee whenever she was doing the helicopter kip mm-hmm. upside down. You know, up, that was uh, the 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 proto upskirt. You know, the the first the first upskirts were. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't think about it. <laughs> Nintendo, Nintendo games. You know, fighting and sexuality. Yes, and the reason that we're talking about 1992 is because of single white female. First time seeing it? Uh, yes. My first time seeing it. You? Uh, I, th- I saw it um, definitely on cable in the early 2000s, mm. but uh, I for- it totally washed over me. I forgot about it in- completely. It- but it's one of those terms that you just – it's in pop culture. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, as much recently, though. No? I mean, I'm sure it's still in the lexicon, but I don't – Well, when, I, when, when we picked it to review – you uh what were your what were your thoughts about this film before we even looked into it what was your background i mean honestly just any information just came based on the trailers and also jennifer jason lee was kind of creepy okay 
Yeah. So I, I knew her. I knew, you know, Bridget Fonda. Yeah, I love uh, – so Bridget Fonda and Jennifer Jason Lee star in this, and I love um, Bridget Fonda from her films in the 90s. Uh, the two other ones that I can think of off the top of my head are Point of No Return, which was a remake of La Femme Nikita, mm-hmm. and she plays uh, a, 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 an assassin, sexy mm-hmm. assassin in tiny black dresses. Yep. And then um, the other one is Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. She's also in singles, I think. Okay. Was she? Well, you know. I hope so. Yeah. That's one of those films that's just a blur. I yeah. can't remember I don't it. think I actually ever watched it fully, but. I just remember the soundtrack a little bit and mm-hmm. that um, your uh, your man Ben Stiller's in it. No, oh, yeah. no. That's Reality Bites. Yes. Singles. Two, two different films. Yeah. Uh, your man Eddie Vedder's in it. He Pearl is. Jam is in it. Pearl Jam's in it. Pearl Jam's all over it. And Jennifer Jason Lee, I remember from, um, what is it? It's Flesh and Blood. A Paul Verhoeven movie, which is amazing, and she uh, co-stars with Rutger Hauer in that, and she's really good at playing either incredibly sweet or menacing. Very much so, yeah. And, and most recently, she was in The Hateful Eight. Yep. She was also in Fast Times. Oh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. Ridgemont. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. In in The Hateful Eight, she play, <laughs> she plays like uh, Madame Yosemite Sam. She is Yosemite Samantha. Yes, Yosemite Samantha, just uh, the type the type of Wild West woman that would chew on raw buffalo meat and wear a coyote pelts to the prom. A bottom bitch. That, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she is the anchor. She's the one that you want um, she... in a shootout at high noon. Agreed. Well, let's just uh, hop into this. Is a uh, single white female? If you haven't seen it, is a psychological thriller. An erotic psychological thriller, yeah. uh, which was a, a popular genre of film in the 90s. That's true. Battle yeah. Attraction. Uh, Sliver. Sliver. <laughs> <laughs> Among many others, I'm sure. Disclosure, I think, was another one. Is that one that sounds like Indecent Proposal? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, these and these movies... Um, the the wave for these films basic crest, instinct it they crested and fell with the advent of um, uh, hardcore pornography yeah. online <laughs> because as a kid you you would I mean I there's no reason the plot didn't matter to me uh, I didn't care about these uh, like older actors uh, the none of it was captivating but you knew that there might be like ten to twenty seconds of the film where the Stars would be naked. Yep. So and there'd be like a spicy sex scene. And we all, yeah, that was the real draw for young boys and probably young girls. Yeah, sure, sure. Why not? Uh, everyone, everyone was titillated. Equal opportunity. Yes, and a lot of these uh, like erotic uh, psychological thrillers were the bread and butter of um, a blockbuster video. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the demographic. Errols, actually, was it? Errols <laughs> at the time. Blockbuster definitely sunk their battleship before I was, like, heavy out there renting films on my own. Mm -hmm. This movie's got all of the the trademark tropes of an erotic psychological thriller. We've got obsessive love, crazy women, and I'm going to use the word crazy a little bit, and I I don't mean to be ableist when I say it. It's more like, you know, that's what they – that was the way that the plots were written. We had um, insane characters. Uh, There was to be a crazy woman and – Poor murdered house pets. This film ticks the boxes for all of them. Let's go through uh, the plot very quickly. Let's. 
Uh, Bridget Fonda is stars as Allie, and Allie is a recent transplant to New York City. Uh, she's got it all. She uh, is um, she works in computers, and she has a fiance who she is uh, madly in love with, and she has a rent control department, which is I mean that is the crown jewel for any New Yorker. If you you know that the that is that's it. You won the game. If you've got a rent control department here. And uh, so at the beginning of the movie, she has all of that. And she's just moved to New York. She doesn't have any friends yet. And uh, immediately her fiancé gets – it. immediately it all starts uh, crumbling because her fiancé gets a phone call while they're lying in bed together. Mm-hmm. And the and the phone call goes right to the answering machine, which is insane. The answering machine uh, is the equi- then is the equivalent to today having your partner uh, scroll through your emails, yes. your texts, <laughs> yeah, your unpassword protected phone. So uh, so yeah, the answering machine goes off, and it, and lo and behold, it is the fiance Sam's ex wife, and she is calling angry. Um, she is also uh, claims that Sam had come over earlier that day and slept with her. So we see that um, that Allie's fiance Sam is uh, still an, un- an unfaithful cad. Uh, she kicks him out of the apartment, and she needs uh, to find a roommate. Stat. Yep. And that's where we begin the film. She's got to find a roommate. Uh, after a long search, the roommate is Jennifer Jason Lee. Initially, she seems like a really great um, roommate and possible friend, and things start getting a little quirky. Right. She posts online and goes through a bunch of single white females seeking the same, I think was the the line. Yeah, which you could do back then. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know as in real estate, you can't discriminate against people um, based on race, uh, creed, ethnicity. Uh, beliefs mm-hmm. or even family, but um, I don't know in the classifieds if you can do that. No, anymore. Yeah, I don't think so. I think you can list preferences, <laughs> racial preferences. I don't know Just if you... covert racism. Yeah, I don't know if you can do that, but they do it in this film. Single white female. Uh, yeah, so uh, Jennifer Jason Lee moves in, and then uh, the the film really takes off, and it's uh, about living with an unstable. Uh, roommate and Jennifer Jason Lee's character is described on Wikipedia as having borderline personality disorder, and I had no idea what uh, borderline personality disorder was, so I, I printed out a little checklist of uh, what what those things could be. Mm-hmm. And it says here the definition is uh, people with borderline personality disorder may experience extreme mood swings and can display uncertainty about who they are. Uh, as a result. Their interests and values can change rapidly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So it that, sounds like a teenager. That could be, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so does every teenager have borderline personality disorder? Yeah. It's like, I'm finding myself. One week you've got purple hair. The next week there's a earring. Nope. Uh, then you're, you're listening to ska music one week. Next week, Rusty Cage. Yeah. Then it's Toad the Wet Sprocket. Uh, and you're 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 ma- putting uh, tattoos of Toad the Wet Sprocket lyrics on your body and oh, magic in permanent marker. Okay, that's salvageable. <laughs> yeah. So uh, extreme mood swings and changing personalities and values quickly. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, other symptoms include frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, you ever been with anybody that freaks out every time you walk out the door to the bodega to go get some ramen? They think you're never coming back? No. Yeah, so uh, I think... <laughs> I don't own a dog. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, absolute, a sense of um, impermanence. Like at any moment, the people that you're with could disappear forever. Right. On uh, a pattern uh, of intense and unstable relationships with family, friends, and loved ones, mm -hmm. often swinging uh, from extreme closeness and love to extreme dislike and anger. Um, impulsive and dangerous behaviors, driving too, reckless driving, unsafe sex, <laughs> substance abuse, binge eating. <laughs> I got it. I definitely have uh, one too many uh, tubs of ice cream after midnight per week. Yeah. One might be too many. Oh, okay. Reoccurring suicidal behavior or threats, uh, self-harm, um, like cutting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Self-harm, yeah. Chronic feelings of emptiness. Sure. Which, uh, which is why, you know, you eat the ice cream. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to fill your soul and your stomach. Mm -hmm. uh, having stress-related paranoid thoughts. Uh, replaceable personalities. Replaceable personalities. Yeah, I think that's sort of, you know, when you you pick up whatever the habits are of the people around you. Or oh, I see. The M hobbies. Mimicking. Right. Anytime I watch, uh, you ever watch like a couple and like one of them loves football and the other one could care less but still sits on the couch and like mm. tolerates. Right. Wastes hours of their day just watching this nonsense. Just trying to be a team player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever... Go online and look at WebMD, and you're reading the symptoms for uh, diseases, and you go, oh, my gosh, is that me? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes. So uh, with any of these um, psychological breakdowns, I think uh, we're all on the spectrum, <laughs> and you can see that uh, at, at some point or another, we've all binged, eaten, and, or sat on a couch and tolerated other people's um, uh, habits. I think everyone can check some passions. of these boxes. Yeah. Sure. Some of them, no, but that's a good breakdown of uh, borderline personality disorder. Let's uh, let's jump into location of the film. <laughs> I uh, watching this as an adult, I realized that the most important uh, aspect of single white female to me is uh, its relationship to real estate. <laughs> um, and the whole the whole film is is really a battle over real estate, and so. Uh, and this ties into a bunch of other things, too, because when you look at psychological thrillers from the 90s, it's the cast is middle class white people uh, going crazy over domestic disputes, be it relationships or housing. And yeah. another movie like this is Pacific Heights, where Michael Keaton mm. uh, uh, comes and he lives downstairs in, in this uh, family's basement and then and proceeds to terrorize the house after he's moved in as a tenant. So um, this is a world in psychological thrillers where criminality is separated from class. And it's, it's people who live comfortable lives uh, being twisted. So when we talk about location in this, it's taking place in New York City in the 1990s, mm. on the uh, West 70s. Uh, and this New York City <laughs> is absent of any color. It's like somebody took one of those Crayola 64 crayon boxes and just took out all of the other colors and left us with beige, pink, white, 
and like sickly pale blue terracotta <laughs> just do you guys have a cottage cheese color because that's <laughs> that's the palette we'd like for nope, this film <laughs> without pepper <laughs> and it's it's a kind of it's a very bleak look at new york city um i think uh, that was done intentionally by yes. the way uh sort of like not like a sparse landscape because the city can never feel sp- – I mean it, it, it can feel emotionally sparse, but like, you know, everyone seems isolated. And that's very New York. I mean, I, you know, out of the people that I know that have lived in New York, everyone's – it's full of people, but you can feel very alone. And I think that was the point they were driving home. They they did uh, with a really minimal <clears throat> cast. There's only like six actors in this really? movie. And yeah. It takes place in New York City, a city with uh, 12 million people in it um, during the day. Uh, I don't think 12 million live here at night, but – when you take in commuters. Right. Uh, and so uh, this film is a New York without street performers, without break dancers, without gruff cabbies. Uh, there's no, there's no um, rickshaw driving bicyclists. Uh, th- we never see a scene of Times Square. It's, uh, it's very um, uh, contained. And uh, there's, no, there's no Italians. There's no Jews. There's no Indians. Mm-hmm. Uh, None. Nothing. No black Caribbeans. Nope. No, so um, so ninety five percent of New York basically doesn't exist in this film. Yeah, yeah, just beige and buildings. And the the building is a, a, one of the most important aspects of this because all of the action takes place in this apartment, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a giant anonymous building. It reminds me of Dana Barrett's building in Ghostbusters, or the building from Rosemary's Baby. It's this like big gothic yes. structure. Good, good point. But the inside of the building is very sterile. There's just uh, endless long hallways. Just ominous. Uh-huh. Like an insane asylum. Like, yeah, dude. It's like, you know, like an old hospital. Like the, 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 it was, that's one thing that I think a lot of people have pointed out about this film is, like, they really went with the desolate, creepy, almost clinical-like uh, hallways and the, the trash area, the, you know, storage area. Everything yeah. seemed dark. <laughs> yeah, the, foreboding. So, so her her in her apartment, the space has a rickety balcony with a broken guardrail, mm. and then the basement. You have to take a, an elevator with one of those um, guard doors. An old timey elevator. Yes, where people had to, <laughs> the need for elevator uh, operators. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that was then, somebody's job at one point. And the, the elevator door gets stuck, so inside of the elevator is actually a screwdriver that we see uh, that they use. Um, on the elevator when they need to. Right, get the door. Uh, and, and we see that in the, one of the first scenes of the film. So mm-hmm. when, I, when I saw this uh, screwdriver, I thought, oh, that's Chekhov's screwdriver. We're going we're gonna to be using that later in the film. Uh, and if you don't, the, the term Chekhov's uh, screwdriver comes from Chekhov's gun. Tell the people, Gabe. Yeah. Get got, into that. Yo, you got to know, man. So if you see the gun in the first scene, uh, you, you have to use it in the third act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see uh, and that term is called gaslighting or foreshadowing. Oh, well, okay. no, the gaslighting is also on this little piece of paper I have here where I've scribbled some thoughts. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if no one knows what the term gaslighting means, just show them single white female, because uh, and both Allie and uh, Hetty, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, I would say uh, use gaslighting against each other. Um, and that's something we get, we'll talk about when we get to characters in this movie, but, uh, nobody, nobody's perfect. There isn't a, a perfect heroine in this film. Not at all. No. Um, but, uh, but when we get back to the building, like the basement, I can't believe that this, that this basement exists. It, it's out of Nightmare on Elm Street. There's an incinerator. 
there's uh like cages where they store their furniture. Dream warriors like. Yeah, man. I mean, this is this is a a murder rape dungeon. When when you when you go look at an apartment with a broker, you always ask, "Can we? Can I see the basement?" Yeah. Because if it looks like this, get out of get there. Get the fuck out. <laughs> you don't want to live there. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is like the type of basement where you're gonna see um, Jigsaw from Saw, <laughs> just having people play games. Yeah. That they're not gonna win. Uh, and then, yeah, so real estate, man. Uh, rentals in New York City. Allie's apartment is a real treasure. It's rent-controlled. Um, I When I hear about people living in apartments where they're paying like $500 a month and that the rent's never going to go up, mm-hmm. I, oh, you know, I'm happy there's gay marriage now. Don't I don't care what gender they are. I'm trying to get married to somebody who's got a rent-controlled apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and then convince them to get down with polyamory. And I'll, I'll bring my, my lady with me. There you go. That's, that's a lot to chew on. Just start a commune in, the, in their studio apartment. In their, on the Upper East Side. <laughs> uh, this, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, so uh, Al, Allie, um, we'll talk about her for a minute. Allie, the, uh, played by... Technically the heroine of the film, but... She, she's the heroine. She's got like a mushroom, strawberry blonde bob. Bob. A little mushroom cut. Not really exceedingly likable. Either. She is uh, – so we know she's smart because she works in software programming, mm-hmm. and um, she uh, – the software that she uses is uh, is something that fashion agencies uh, can use for their magazine spreads. So she's like a master of Photoshop basically. Yep. Uh, things that we can all do on our phones now. Yeah. But uh, – uh, and this is, a, this is a digression, but when I went to college – a lot of my friends were in the photo department, and they would, like, have nervous breakdowns uh, trying to pass uh, moderations for, for their photo projects, uh, trying making sure that they could continue with the program. And they would dump, like, thousands of dollars on the equipment that they needed in the chemicals for the uh, dark rooms. And then the year after we graduated from college, the first digital ELF cameras came out. <laughs> And so it was just a total wash. Game completely changed. The game, yes, yes. So all of these um, uh, photo programs that um, Allie has mastered that cost thousands and thousands, like who knows how much she's making, you know, 60K a year freelancing with this type of stuff. Uh, I'm just throwing that number out there. This is all irrelevant now because every computer comes with uh, photo photo Mm -hmm. editing programs. Or you can just pirate uh, Adobe. You can do whatever Photoshop. you need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back then in the nineties, I, dude, I thought virtual reality was going to save us. I thought we were all going to live in some sort of uh, lawnmower man dream, jacking our consciousness into uh, computers. <clears throat> they still have not perfected it, although apparently <laughs> virtual reality porn is now a thing. Okay. Have you not heard about this? Ah, I haven't. Okay. We don't, we, we don't li- need to get into it. <laughs> I live in a bubble. I Good. live in a bubble. It's not a bad place to live. Yeah. All right, so here we go. That's, I mean, the back setting, the, you know, the background. Yeah. The desolate well, New York, an ominous building. Now, when was the last time you had to get uh, new roommates? 
Uh, actually, I'm in the process of doing that right now. So, so this what, movie hit close to home. What's going on with that? Uh, we, we, we got one. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? And what what sort of screening process did you have for your roommates? Uh, you know, I'm at this point living Were in New York Were you looking for, for a single white female? We got one. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know if we were necessarily <laughs> looking for it. Just the coolest person wins, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's actually very topical, I guess. This is a good good time to bring this up. And, Gabe, you and I – this is how you and I actually became good friends. Yeah. So this exact same process, although a little more uh, – I think – what did I just post it on Facebook? I said I need somebody to live here, and within uh, 30 minutes, you, oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you called me. I was uh, in need of a new apartment. Uh, so – and it was for a sublet, I think, for five months or something. Mm-hmm. Well, the story is long and funny. Uh but, you know, going on six years in New York, I've gone through I don't know how many roommates at this point. I mean, you and I went through how many roommates? Actually, only two or two, three. Yeah. Two or three. So, you know, it's an interview process, and you just kind of get a feel for a person. Usually you'd rather them not be strangers, but that's never always going to be that, you know, easy. And you wish that it would work out. Like, you and I found each other, and we knew each other growing up in the same hometown. But And you can uh, – and now, like, so when she's going through this process mm-hmm. – She's taking uh, – Allie has to find a roommate stat, and she's taking all these Polaroid pictures of them. Mm-hmm. She's putting them – Which I uh, thought was odd, but you know. Yeah. Well, today you don't need to do that. No, because Facebook. You can, yeah. You just say, what's your Facebook profile? Let yeah. me see it. And if they tell you they don't have one, then they're a criminal. <laughs> or just smarter than the rest of us. Right, right. For, but, but then you know, you're, you're always suspect. Like, why are you living off the grid? <laughs> what do you have to hide? I mean, I get it now. I, I rarely use Facebook. I mean, you use it for different things. Sure, sure. I've got to be on there for promotion. Self-promotion. you got to do it. But um, I remember one time I went to look for an apartment, and I, I walked in uh, to to the open house, and there were just two guys not making – just not – they didn't say a word to us. It was all nonverbal communication. When we walked in, they pointed to a table, and we sat down at, in their kitchen uh, and it was me and three other applicants, and we all had to sit there and all fill the out same time. an extensive questionnaire. Like I was going to the clinic. Was it to a get co-op? Tested. Where was this? No, this was up. This was in Greenpoint. This oh, was really? uh, years ago before I found this spot. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, like uh, it, it, I felt like I was jumping through hoops to please them, and they were giving nothing, just poker face. So uh, you know, it didn't work out. But uh, I could I can see how this process in New York is pretty harrowing. You don't I mean, know it's... who you're going to live with. And we see Allie. She she goes through a whole series of um, – of they're all women because she's seeking uh, women. But there's um, – She's seeking specifically a single white female non-smoker. <laughs> yes. There's a, there's like a, like a, a very butch uh, woman who comes in and wants – and is like banging on the walls. And she's like, we're going to take this wall out. Like I'm going to – She's like she's gonna do some heavy just, duty construction yeah. if she moves in. It's like a, a gay Bob Vila. And then, then we have a like a very a, like a, kind of a a, a slinky, sexy uh, woman who saunters around her like a cat mm-hmm. and sort of like looks her up and down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yes, yeah, she doesn't want that. And then there's like the a neurotic, uh, frizzy haired, um, <laughs> sort of Jewish stereotype. Who is uh, talking about her therapists? Oh yeah. <laughs> and then finally, there's a demure, like I don't know, like like wholesome looking, a loaded word, but sort of like just like a blonde vanilla girl next door type. Yes. And uh, you'd think that she's the one that's going to get it. The girl next door type is going to get it. And 
um, then uh, Allie, she breaks down crying. And I don't know how it happens, but Jennifer Jason Lee's character uh, sees her in this moment of vulnerability. Mm. She's the, the last applicant to come in. She's wearing a blossom hat. She's got sort of a baggy, formless dress on. She seems kind of bohemian. And she uh, immediately breaks through um, Allie's defenses and offers to make her some tea and comfort her in her time of need. So she caught her right at this most vulnerable moment. They bond, and uh, by the end of their little bonding sesh on the couch, talking about man troubles. Um, when can you move? When can you move in? Yes. Bingo. Allie says, hey, Hetty, how about you? You're the one. And then Hetty, Hetty says, hey, I would love to live here with you, but... Is there even the remotest chance that you're going to get back together with Sam? Because I don't want to have to leave here like, you know, are we committed to this? Are you committed to me or are you wishy-washy? Which is, I guess, a fair question for her to ask, but it seems like a bit much. You think it's a bit much. I, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm going to say this. Moving is a big deal. It sucks. Moving into a rent-controlled apartment is an even bigger deal. Yeah. So if I moved into a place and you tell me a month and a half later, oh, by the way, I got back together with my partner, I'm, I'm freaking out. Yeah. I've already, I've, got my, I've already gone to the post office. I've changed my mailing address. Uh, I've hired movers. I got to leave. I bought, my, I bought new plants because I've got a windowsill now that's facing the sun. You know, what about, am I going to do? Why would you want to give that up? Yeah, you want you want. I get it. You want a level of commitment. You want a level of commitment, and uh, you know, and you don't want um, the people that you're making this covenant with to to be liars, to lack integrity. So this is a this is a place where I'm team heady. I'm team heady. I think that Allie um, led her on a little bit. Yeah, by letting her by uh, a, you know letting her think that the situation was more permanent than it was. Right. So after. Uh... Allie and Heidi become roommate or Hetty become roommates. The uh, relationship matures very quickly. Uh, there's like a, a sense of nesting and coupling almost. Yeah, extreme pair bonding. I mean, it's incredible, actually. She, I mean, there's there's people standing behind each other in mirrors, sniffing one another. Uh, within a week, it seems like uh, Hetty buys a dog for the house, like a puppy, to sort of ingratiate herself more. Yeah, it turns it it, it turns it into a family unit. Now they've got a now they've got a child together, a little puppy, and uh, once you've got a dog, you're anchored because yep. a dog is it's not a goldfish. No, it's an emotional uh, bond. You got to walk it three times a day. Yep. You got and you're in this uh, tall uh, apartment building. You got to go down the stairs. You got to you know uh, carry a little plastic baggie with you and scoop up its poop. It's well, ninety one, not so much, but yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> In 91, oh, it was a different time. You could just sm- – the, the sidewalks were just smeared in doo-doo. Just doo-doo, like France, like Paris. <laughs> Today. Dog shit everywhere. <laughs> uh, I wonder what – yeah, well, you know, that's something to look up. What is uh, protocol for cleaning up after your dog in Europe? <laughs> <laughs> At Euro Disney. <laughs> Euro Disney. <laughs> can you bring your dog to Euro Disney? I'm sure you can now. Yes. Um, I'm sure they have to pay. 
so yeah, you're, you're there's a there's an incredible um, pair bonding, and then you know I gotta say one of the first creepy things to happen though is not on Hetty's side, it's on Allie's side. Allie goes into Hetty's room and snoops. Snoops. You don't snoop in your roommate's uh, room. Nope. Their inner sanctum. Their personal space. She's going in there. She's shaking little um, prescription pill uh, bottles, seeing if she's got Vicodin or Xanax or Percocets. She's or doing recon. Even prednisone, you know? I don't know what that is. Oh, it's a great – it's a steroid. It's okay. fantastic. You take it if you have an allergic reaction. Some people oh. have to take it long term. Gotcha. But if you only have to take it for a week, whew, makes you want to do push-ups, makes you aggressive, alert. Um, I'm in no way – Recommending that people take prednisone. <laughs> it kind of sounds like you are. Like turns you into fucking Spider Man. Yes, but as a as an indoor sick kid, man, <laughs> that stuff was magic. Um, yeah, so she's uh, checking out. Um, Allie, uh, Allie is checking out Hetty's a room, and she's trying on her perfume. You know, just being gross, just a little fucking creepy. Yeah, and but then Hetty comes in, and Hetty says. Uh, hey, whatever I have is yours. Mm. Um, and then she peels off her little negligee, and we see uh, her her bust, <laughs> her chest, <laughs> titillating for her, a teenager. Her bosom. Uh, yeah, a, a titillating scene for uh, a young man in the pre-internet porn era. Mm-hmm. But wasn't. And uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I asked my... I asked my lady if uh, what what the deal is, and she said, "Yeah, you know, women are walking around topless or w- around each other all the time, but uh, it was a little early in the relationship for that. Too soon. And Everything's a, moving way too soon. Weird too to quickly. say it. Uh, weird to do it right after you say anything that's mine is yours. Yeah. <clears throat> ah. But uh, have you ever? So have you ever? Um, I was thinking about this in any relationship or friendship. Uh, it's hard to call somebody on their bullshit if you have committed that same act of bullshit first. Right. So, like, when Allie goes and snoops, and then uh, she apologizes for it, and then Hetty's like, don't worry, whatever's mine is yours. It, It's like, uh, you. it's hard to call, it's hard now for Allie to call Hetty on her boundary breaking behaviors because she's already done it. It's like being a hypocrite. Can I ask you a question? Yes. You think that's the first creepy thing. What do you think about what's creepier? The snooping, which is just an invasion of privacy on a lot of moral levels, or the fact that when they were standing in the mirror, which she tries on, uh, you know, Hetty gives her her earrings and stands behind her in the mirror and sniffs her, sniffs her back. It's always weird to smell people <laughs> just in general in mirrors because you never want to you never want them to be able to see you doing you it. Ne- never never <laughs> you never want them to see you sniff. Never let them see you sniff. That's if if anything that's the most important takeaway from this podcast. Just good good behavior. Yeah, don't let them see you sniff, guys. Uh yeah, so you were saying the relationships like moving fast faster than anything any anyone would deem normal. Uh, yeah, they're taking pictures together of themselves with the dog. They're a happy family. Um, there are any like petting dogs in each other's beds, just lying down. It's you know, but I mean, you know, I think uh, women tend to maybe gain comfortability with each other more quickly. Like I would never do that with you. I would never, you know, 
hang out in your bed and pet a dog. I'm allergic to dogs. Correct. So it's just not going to happen. That's just one of the many reasons that I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Common and, decency. Uh, right, right. Um, let's see here. What what else we've got going on? So Hetty is effectively gaslighting uh, Allie by 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 making it seem like Sam is not uh, calling. Uh, Sam is not there. Sam comes back into the picture, and I. So uh, this character, he was um, he was one of the stars of the TV show Wings. Uh, this actor uh, who plays Sam, and my, I have a lot of questions. So at the beginning of the film. Uh, he's blissfully in bed with Allie, and she is his fiance. They're going to get married, but uh, Sam has a wife or an ex-wife, and it seems like he's been living in New York for a while. Yet Allie has just arrived. So, how long have they known each other? Uh, we don't. We never find yeah, out. Yeah, they never gave us a timeline there. Um, how did they meet? Uh, did they meet when Sam was traveling somewhere else? Did he meet Allie on the road on one of his business trips? Um, did they start their relationship while Sam was happily married? Mm. Uh, is Allie a homewrecker? You know, I have no, I have no idea. Uh, it, we really don't get a, a history or a context for their relationship. It's true. I, I mean, that, do you think that was done on purpose? Yeah, because the the writer and the director aren't painting either of them in in a in a positive light at this point. Like <laughs> like I said, she's not like like not a likable main character. Right, uh, and and that was something that was surprising to me was that all of the main characters in this film have um, kind of they're morally gray and they are not uh, sympathetic. So, with like, the exception of one character, uh, yes. Graham. We'll, we'll get right. to we'll get to Graham. So yes, yeah, so there's the you're you're right to bring him up. The last um the character who is pretty chill in this is the upstairs neighbor Graham, who's an actor who's been who lives uh has been living in this building for years and he's a he's a gay he's the gay best friend. Yep. So uh even though Allie has just moved into this apartment building, uh her and Graham are thick as thieves. So they already did the pair bonding. And Graham can hear everything happening in the apartment, in Allie's apartment, because of the air ducts. So he hears Sam and Allie making love. And then he hears Sam and Allie uh, when they have fights, lovers' quarrels, spats. Yep. <clears throat> and he's her shoulder to, to lean on. So yeah. when, after every fight, he'll, she'll go upstairs, and uh, Graham will already know the right things to say to comfort her. Right. <laughs> Well, he's easily the most likable, genuine character in this film. Yeah. And I don't know if it was, I mean, sort of done on purpose. The screenwriter, Don Roos, was, is, is a gay man. And I think he, you know, in the early 90s, I think he wanted to portray just a positive gay character. Yes, yeah. And which is huge, because back then, not, not many. And a lot of them were stereotypically flamboyant and just caricatures of gay people. Yeah, Graham is uh, very... Uh... Normal's the wrong word, but normative. Like he's just—he's just, just very a, just a good human being. <laughs> yeah, he's very middle of the road in in his uh, in the, the his portrayal and performance. He's not performatively flamboyant, Correct. like you said. And uh, he's got oh, I loved his apartment by the way. Tons of bookshelves. Yeah, just <laughs> he's never moving out. You never, you can't, you, you don't can't give up keep, rent control. Right, right, ever. And you don't you don't buy that many books if you if you think you might have to leave right because that's just dead weight 
So true. That's a giant albatross around your neck. I mean, honestly, we have we we have a lot of your books in my place. I know. I just leave, I leave <laughs> so them like many. droppings. <laughs> Anchor books. <laughs> uh huh. And uh, yeah, it's like leaving graffiti. Mm-hmm. Just write your name in the book and just leave it in other people's bookshelves. You want people to know you're well read. And uh, yeah, so. Um, He's a great character. Sam, not a great character. Sam is philandering. He's uh, he's committed to getting married to Allie, but he's still sleeping with his ex-wife. Um, and he's living in New York. He's living in a hotel, right? Uh, and that hotel, that's got to be expensive. Right. After Allie kicks him out, he's just – who knows how long he's going to be in this hotel. He must be hemorrhaging money. The only person that lives in a hotel – that long T.S. is uh, what Mr. Tony Soprano That's correct. yes <laughs> we need to find a way to work in Sopranos references whenever we can oh man like I'd be sleeping on a couch yeah I think and, and well, that, that would make the movie feel a little bit more New York-y if, it would certainly uh, be well these are supposed to be uber wealthy I guess right so honestly I don't care about their problems no fuck them <laughs> fuck them all <laughs> eat the rich <laughs> fuck these people's problems <laughs> I know they are they are made up problems. Self created. Uh so so she gets back together with Sam. Right. And they decide that they want to continue with the plans to get married and that means that Hetty has got to go. And I would be super upset if I were Hetty. Yeah. There's no understanding. Are you crazy? Almost murderous. I would be murderous. I get it. I get it. So, um, so Hetty makes herself the third wheel in this uh, sexy tricycle, and she decides to uh, ingratiate herself in in just be around the couple. Uh, the couple's making love. She's in the other room listening. The couple um, then Hetty uh, flirts with Sam, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Al- Allie's really uncomfortable to have this other other woman in her nest now uh the next morning hetty oh that night hetty starts loudly masturbating and purposefully loud well we i don't know maybe that's just her normal speed it's true yeah could be it's still it's still early for us as the viewers we don't know what her habits are yeah but it is rude i think that if you live with other people to masturbate uh loudly you know, you should soundproof your room if that's something that you can't control. And she gets, uh, <laughs> Allie wakes up. She hears the sound. She doesn't know if it's a struggle. She doesn't know if, uh, if, if Hetty's watching, um, you know, the Spice Channel. Mm. And she's got her dog with her. Also, dog just uh, follows her out. It's a mistake. You never take a dog with you when you're snooping. Because the dog will always give you away. Unless your name is Shaggy. <laughs> Shaggy, Shaggy's a ninja of a dog. Shaggy gets a no, it's Scooby. Shaggy was. <laughs> he gets a pass. Yeah. So she watches Jennifer Jason Lee um, uh, uh, pleasuring mid, herself. Mid, mid, mid self coitus. Mid stroke. Yeah. And of course the puppy's gonna bark because he's seeing something he likes. Uh, Hetty snaps back into reality. And she uh, and and Allie runs away, mm-hmm. uh, ashamed at what she'd been seeing, I guess, and then pretends that she's asleep. But 
uh, the dog is barking outside of her bedroom door. So, like, clearly the the dog is a telltale sign that Allie had, had come out. Or she had let the dog, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and she pretends she's asleep, which is another, again, another instance of gaslighting. So I'm Team Hetty again. Allie is purposely doing things to make uh, Hetty crazy. You don't watch someone masturbate and then run away and pretend like you're asleep. You say, hey, could you could you close the door if you're going to be that loud? Yeah. Or, you, I mean, most, most people, and I know you, <laughs> I think most people would just shy away from the conversation altogether to pretend like it never happened, which I think she kind of tries to do, but she was creeping. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But how, how do you bring that up? I, you know. Conversation. <laughs> you, you do. You do. Did you have to? No. I think you have to address it in the moment. You got to say, hey. Hey, stop. No judgment. You're totally. No, you don't, you don't tell them to stop. You don't want to give them more of a uh, complex. You just say, hey, I see you and I shouldn't be seeing you. Can you please close the door? Fair enough. You know, calmly, calmly address. In the moment. The huh? monster. Yes. I want to put that into practice real bad. <laughs> um, okay. So the next day, uh, Hetty decides she's going to make him breakfast. Right. And we see Sam, and he's fixing the balcony. He's being the man around the house, the Bob Vila, and uh, or the the Tim Allen on some home improvement. But, sure. One with, his, with his two wives. <laughs> And, uh, yo, Allie is not excited about the chemistry that she's seeing. Yeah, I mean, would you be? The, the domestic vibes in this apartment. There's so a she, lot of uh, line crossing, it seems like. F- yeah. Familiarity. It's like, who should be making the eggs this morning? Yeah. Should Allie even be here? Her presence continues to progressively get more bothersome to Allie yes. as time goes on. And even though I'd say, like, and I'm watching this again with my lady, and I'm like, oh, Hetty's doing nothing. She's not doing anything wrong. Oh, <laughs> I'm curious to see what she said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, my lady was like, no, are you crazy? She's making him eggs? She's got to get the fuck out of there. So um, they leave the apartment, Sam and Allie, and this dog is barking. This dog hates Hetty. It's it's whining, it's whimpering, it's waiting by the door, it's clawing uh, at oh, the that's door. A good point. Uh, like any, it just it needs an exit. Yeah. And animals know. Animals can tell when a human's uh, not right. Yeah. When maybe their their brain chemistry is off. They can smell those uh, insanity pheromones. Mm, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we see. Um, when Allie and Sam come back home, there's been an accident and our, our little puppy, he's been, he's gone. He he jumped out the window. They never fully, yeah, they never explain what happened, but you know. Yeah, you know what happened. They, they walk up, you know, Sam and and Allie walking up up to the apartment or walking, you know, to the building and then they just see a bunch of people crowded around a dead puppy. Which is just uh, creepy. Which is a bummer for everybody. Just a side note, in these psychological thrillers, especially from that time period, uh, the animals always get it. There's always a dead animal involved. Right. When you watch Fatal Attraction. Boiling uh, Rabbit. Yeah. War yeah. of the Roses. She kills his dog. <laughs> or no, he kills her dog. Either way. Um, yeah, I don't know why that's a, a running theme, but it's not the first time 
Well, maybe it's you know it's something defenseless. It's something. It's just it's it really wants you to instill evil into the character. So like, and you feel you feel like the character is more evil when it kills an animal than when it kills a human. Oh yeah, which is part of our cognitive bias because people sometimes animals are better than people most cases. (laughs) I mean, I'm 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 a a dog lover. That was uh, you know, if I saw Sam fall to his death, I wouldn't have cared too much. The dog that hit that hit a chord. (laughs) It's tougher to watch. So I think, in essence, by killing the dog or, you know, implied killing of the dog by Hetty, it creates an actual real villain for the, the, you know, the viewer to really pick sides here. Yeah, we can't be on Team Hetty anymore. No. Killed the dog. Up until this point, I was on the fence as to who to be sympathetic towards. Yeah, you really were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess that's a case closed. Even for a guy that doesn't like, you know... I was allergic to dogs. Oh, right, you still right. don't want to see one do a head header, especially <laughs> especially a new one. You know? Yeah, a little he a puppy. Even, he he hadn't spent any time uh, uh, romping at the dog park. It wasn't euthanasia. He he, he was yeah, yeah. He was in the prime of his life. He was just getting started. <laughs> a, a tender young sprout. Uh, sapling. <laughs> so sad. Okay, so boo. No longer on Team Hetty. Never. So as things start to get a little sort of touchy and weird with the the sort of home dynamic, uh, you know, the the tripod, <laughs> the triple tandem bicycle that's happening, you know, Allie becoming more uncomfortable. We sort of, you know, with, with Heidi, Hetty's presence and, you know, now the death of the dog, which seems suspect to begin with, um, we, they take like a quick lapse and we, we, we sort of see into Allie's work life. Yeah, man. How does this woman make money? What is How's she doing? How does she avoid? White, how does this single white female? Or Ford, I'm sorry. <laughs> get it? How does she get get that cash? Actually, how does she do it? Stack those chips. Get that cheddar. What's her paper chase? What's, What's her, her hustle? Pa- What's her grind? Oh man, her grind is she's a freelance man. She's got to go out there and find new clients because she doesn't have any clients. Uh, we find out that she used to have a partner, and she got the software from the partnership, but uh, it dissolved. So again, here's a backstory about Allie. Uh, was she a bad um, business partner in the past? Uh, we don't know. We just know that uh, the fallout of the, her last um, business was that she gets this uh, software, and she has to go and hunt for new clients. And her first client that she tries to uh, get a deal with is uh, Mitch, and Mitch is played by uh, the same actor who played Ned Ryerson in Groundhog Day. And so I know him from comedies, uh, mm-hmm. but um, in this he plays uh, like a nebbish uh, fashion mogul, and he he's got to do two things. He's got to be um, he's got to seem fashionable, and he has to come off as an asshole. And the one thing that he does for me is he comes off as an asshole. <laughs> but uh, I, it's he's like the proto. Um, geek sexual harasser. Like, he, because uh, this is, I don't know, like, if the Woody Allen scandal was around this time, but he's like Woody Allen, Terry Richardson, or by today's standards, like a Harvey Weinstein type mm. character. Um, and I think it's it's weird casting. He's perfect as the bespeckled nerd, but uh, he, he doesn't really come across as, like, um, a Versace or a Russell Simmons or a Carl Lagerfeld right. to me. <laughs> or other guys who have game, apparently. Yeah. 
I'm not saying that any of those three that I named in the past, like, are the harassers. When I was thinking about the well, I think it was harassers, Weinstein. it was Allen, Richardson, and Weinstein. Yeah, yeah, pretty cut and dry there. Yeah. And uh, unsurprising. And he uh, he tells uh, Allie that she can work for him, but he's not going to pay her uh, what she's worth. He promises her uh, that if she does this work on spec, that he's going to get her contacts. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is the problem with freelancing, man. No job security, and you're constantly working for less than you're worth uh, on the promise that uh, these people are going to help you out later on. And taxes for independent contractors are a bitch. Yeah, so uh, all all of this feels terrible to me. Yes. Uh, what's the point? Um, and they uh, – so she, she does a great job. She crushes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he keeps her staying late for work, and uh, he tells her that she has to drink some champagne with him. Uh, he gets real creepy, starts uh, bre- breathing on her neck, uh, standing behind her, doing a little bit of a shoulder rub thing while she's on the computer showing him her work. Uh, on a computer that I would have had at home. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> these old, old clunky... Like a Commodore. Yeah, just... Just sad uh, early 90s computers. Yeah. So she's on the computer, and she's showing him how uh, to do some graphic design work, and he uh, he goes in for the kiss. And he he tells her that he's gonna he's refusing to give her uh, his uh, list of uh, prospective clients, and he's refu- and he might not even pay her. He might not. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Very am- ambiguous and overall creepy. Yes, but you think uh, you, you sign a contract at the beginning, like a W-2 or some sort of uh, tax form, where uh, there's a paper trail. And um, and also it seems weird that she would do the work without getting uh, some of the money up front. So, uh, the, you know, I don't know. I I try never to do work for a promise. you got to get the cash in hand Yeah, I mean, ahead of time, make sure the check is there. Uh, so Allie's got to learn something about business when it comes to that. But he, uh, our, our man Mitch, this creep, he uh, tries to get a blowjob from her. And and the uh, switch flips in her brain. And she, she goes full She-Hulk mode and uh, knees him in the balls and runs out the door. Yep. So good on her. Fantastic move. She gets out um, physically unscathed, although uh, traumatized. Mm-hmm. And Sam isn't there because he's on a business trip. So her fiancé is not a shoulder she can cry on. He's absent. But who is there? Our girl Hetty. And Hetty, uh, she calls uh, Mitch's house and threatens uh, him uh, with physical harm if he doesn't pay uh, Allie. And now we see that she's, you know... Uh, capable of we see what she's capable of yeah in being Allie's ally we see that she is um duplicitous and and uh menacing menacing is exactly yes yes yeah which is scary you know have you ever had like a friend or someone who uh is showing some affinity towards you and then you see them turn uh and just like put just get dead-eyed in front of someone else 
or like um, I mean I'm sure man I can't think of anything directly but yeah I mean I and you're like whoa <laughs> I don't I don't want to be around this person anymore yeah. even though they like me at this moment if that affinity if that love turns to hate yeah uh, you don't want to see them uh, put that face towards you oh yeah yeah and you know it's it's an option <laughs> so yes be be wary I mean you know if throwing a dog off of a roof is not uh, Yes. A, a, a red flag to begin with. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Allie didn't see uh, her throw the dog off the roof, and so it is still in, within the realm of possibility that the dog really did um, accidentally. Right, they never really cleared that up. Yeah, but this is the first time that she sees, uh, the, like, the crazy eyes in The physically Allie. threatening nature, yes. Yes. That she's capable of uh, of harm. Full psycho. I wrote this down. Full psycho heady. And, uh, okay, so with, with the killing of the dog, that was the beginning. And then she goes with uh, Allie, and they, they have, a, like, a spa day to feel better. And uh, they go shopping, uh, you know, and she gets all the same clothes that uh, Allie owns. Mm. And then Hetty gets the same haircut. And exactly. So now they both have the same strawberry blonde. Same haircut, same dye job. Mushroom bob. Mushroom bob. <laughs> And, uh, which I mean, at that point, that's far and away the creepiest thing, the not, the, the, the not most nonviolent creepy thing that's been done in this film. Yeah. The most, it's just inappropriate. It's over. I mean, it's fucking bizarre. Yeah. You don't buy the same shoes as your friends. You don't, you don't do buy any, the same, you don't get the same haircut. You don't go to the nail salon. Unless, unless you both like faux hawks, in which case you can both get faux hawks. And maybe like at at Hardy shirts, if you both. <laughs> <laughs> but you try not to wear like the same patterned Ed Hardy shirt yeah. on the same day. And like, of yes, who doesn't like cargo shorts? If I'm wearing cargo shorts, I'm not going to tell you you can't wear cargo shorts. You shouldn't be able to have to. You shouldn't have to not tell me. You know, on second thought, everybody should dress the same. Yeah. It really cuts down on so much bandwidth in your head if you have the exact same outfit. Uniforms. Every Uniforms. You, not, why not just translate uniforms into everyday life? Sure, school, obviously, but just – and then work. But then you think about all the time that you wouldn't waste changing out of work clothes yeah. into normie clothes. No, normie clothes. <laughs> What's the point of showing your personality through your outerwear? No, let's all just shop at Uniqlo. <laughs> well, that might not be too far off. I already do. I know. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah. So, it is creepy, though. Full creep mode now. Yeah. You know, menacing again uh, to the point where physical violence is threatened to any of Allie's wrongdoers, Mitch specifically. Who, you know, deserves it because he is a uh, financially scummy sexual predator. That's right. So he gets it. Uh, Allie – oh, Hetty says she's going out for the night, and Allie follows her, which is some – Again, uh, it's a it's a creep move on Allie's part, but I get it at this point. At this point, you got you got to you got to put in the recon. Yeah, now she's just being a good detective. Yeah. So she follows uh, Hetty out for the night, and they end up at a BDSM club, which is the weirdest BDSM club ever. It's not like eyes wide shut. I didn't uh, even I, I couldn't understand that that place at all. 
Well, uh, people are watching um, women get flogged. There's guys in cages. There's like a smoke machine and a lot of Enya. So that, I think that was the most disconcerting part. Was uh, Enigma. Sort of... Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> That's like what I wrote. Down. It was like adult contemporary pure moods music. Yeah. Which is like not it's that's not my Viagra. I mean, yeah, no, like that song was literally peppered throughout any sex scene in the early nineties. I'm not like let's just do poppers and listen to uh, pure moods. Pure moods. Yeah. Uh, so that's the so they're there at this uh, club, and she sees that Hetty is like sidled up to a guy at the bar who looks suspiciously like Sam. It's not Sam, but it's the, uh, the same type. He's Sam-ish. Yeah. Sam-like. So we see that uh, Hetty Hetty is is uh, auditioning for the role of being Allie. Exactly. Yeah. She yeah. actually calls herself Allie. That's oh, her. okay. I I missed that, but yeah. So she's impersonating her. Yeah. And what what we see in this is honestly uh, that any crimes that Hetty commits at this point, <laughs> she's doing looking like Allie. Mm. So any witnesses who see anything are gonna think that it's Allie. Um, Hetty, uh, realizes that she's going to get kicked out of the apartment soon. Um, if, uh, if Allie keeps listening to her, uh, friend upstairs, Graham. So Hetty goes up and beats Graham half to death. And, uh. That's right, because she heard their conversation through the old New York City, uh, building vents. Sure. Clear as day. Clearer than I can hear you right now. <laughs> and uh, for a little, yeah, little lady, she's got a lot of power. A lot of, a lot of spunk. A lot of spunk. Then she goes off and, uh, oh, we find out that, um, that Allie, uh, through snooping, uh, she sees uh, that uh, she finds this box. What's in the box? She finds this box full of secrets inside of Hetty's closet. And in the box, we see the letter that Sam had written her. That had been intercepted. Uh, we also find um, images of Hetty with her twin sister, mm-hmm. who she said died, uh, uh, like as a child, I believe. Yep. And uh, we see actually that the, that the twin would be older. We also see that Hetty is um, a fake name, and that uh, her real name is Elaine Bosch, and Elaine Bosch is getting has parents. Uh, so, so Hetty's on a trust fund. Hetty, Hetty's getting money from mom and dad to continue being insane in New York City. Yep. Which, uh, I envy. There's two sure. things I envy in this. One is, I wish my mom and dad continued to just send me money. And two, I wish I had a rent control department. I mean, if you get your parents <laughs> to send you money and you have a rent control department? Yeah. I almost, I can almost rationalize a murder. And three, I wish I had like a like a, a gay friend who lived upstairs who had a lot more bookshelf room, and I could just store my books up there. <laughs> like a gay, gay librarian. <laughs> yeah. So all, there's a lot of things that this movie has that I wish I had uh, going for it. Um, Ali, uh, I, I don't know where where she is during this scene, but. I know that Hetty goes off to meet Sam at mm-hmm. his apartment. And with the haircut and the dress and the perfume, to someone who is half asleep, 
I can see how Sam would mistake uh, Hetty or Allie. Hetty for Allie. Yeah, of course. Yes. And this is another steamy scene. Where, yeah, this one was... Uh... Yeah. So unconsensual oral sex performed on a half-asleep Sam. To climax. <laughs> <laughs> to climax. And he notices that it's Hetty, but he can't, he can't stop her because the, it's past the point of no return. Uh, the train is already going um, over 88.8 miles per hour. Where, well, <laughs> it's between 88 and 1,000. He's, yeah. <laughs> Bullet train. So uh, so he climaxes and um, turns over, sad, confused, uh, with pr- a thousand thoughts racing through his mind. Um, and he's fucked up. He's fucked up because he's already lost the trust of Allie once by sleeping with his ex-wife. Hmm. And now, uh, even though it wasn't a consensual act, uh, he did have fellatio performed on him by Hetty. And it's just hard to explain. It, yeah, ha- it's I mean, hard it's to just... explain to be like, I was raped by this woman. Yeah, I w- I, yeah, who literally looked like you until the last second when it turned yeah. grisly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Car- that with was the... the guiltiest ejaculation ever. <laughs> On caught like you know, like as part of a screenplay. Yes. He saw, he's like, oh, <laughs> no, oh, yeah, I yeah. can't stop. Simult euphoric regret. <laughs> Never heard that term before. And uh, yeah, so but you know, he he does the honorable thing. He's like, look, um, you're not gonna blackmail me. I'm gonna tell Allie right now what just happened. And Hetty goes nuts, and she uh, takes off her shoe and stabs him in the eye with a stiletto. So that is the... Ends it. Yeah. Ends the career and life of... Our man Sam. Sam from Wings. (laughs) Done. (laughs) And as she's leaving the uh, hotel, the bellhop, the guy at the door, concierge, he says uh, goodbye, uh, and he thinks that it's Allie leaving. So we know right now... That there's witnesses to this murder, and it's going to be pinned on the protagonist, Allie, and not on Hetty. Yeah, as she's leaving the building, uh, the doorman who knows her, or not the building, it's a hotel that he's staying yes. at. The, the guy goes, have a good night, uh, uh, Miss whatever her last name is. You know? Yes. And Allie comes home, or Hetty comes home, and she is, um, you know, uh, she's gone from being uh, like a disorganized um, uh killer mm. to like super Forensic CSI scientist. Yeah. yeah man she is she's dusting the place she's wiping it down she's bleached the bathroom she's cleaned up her room she's gotten rid of all of her uh, furniture and uh, all of her possessions and so if uh, the police came over it would look as though no one had ever lived there and Hetty isn't on the lease there's no pictures of her in the apartment nope. she is a ghost very good point. And uh, cops, dude, cops are lazy, man. Yeah. So it really has nothing to do with, like, uh, uncovering the truth. If you're punching in and punching out, you're looking for the easiest answer to the problem. Right. What is the solution? Who is the guilty culprit in Sam's murder? It's going to be Allie. That's how the wheels of justice turn. Yeah. Slowly and inefficiently in some cases. Yeah, but she's furiously scrubbing, cleaning. She is literally a ghost. And this Not is... Not even a real name. Not yeah, we don't right, right. We know we know her real name is Ellen Bosch at this point, but nobody else does. Exactly. 
Except for Allie, who she intends to murder, 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 bing, kill, kill, kill. Well, bingo. First, she she uh, first wants to go on the run with uh, with Allie, and they look identical at this point. Uh, and and this is all playing into this sort of narrative uh, that Hetty has going through her mind, uh, relating back to her um, youth as a as a twin. So she had a twin, and that twin died. And we see in the pictures of her with her twin sister that they had a dog as well. So when they're taking, they were taking pictures earlier of them with this baby dog, this puppy. It's it is just replaying this childhood that she wishes she could get back to. And uh, twins are creepy, you know. For sure, I like some twins. Some twins are great. Like Double I love twins, I, dude. I, yeah, d- yeah. I love my friends, the Lucas brothers. They're great. Super funny. But uh, I, I remember reading uh, Chinua Achebe's Things Fall Apart. Yeah. And in that, he's like, dude, these African villagers, they just take twins and bury them. And I get it. I read that book, but I don't remember that at all. I also read it, I don't know how long ago. I remember the Twin Towers, my favorite wrestling duo, Akeem the oh. African Dream <laughs> and the Big Boss Man. <laughs> the twins from The Shining. Oh, so creepy. The creepiest twins ever. Cheng and Eng, the uh, conjoined uh Twins that were the first to be separated, and they had they had two separate wives, Cheng and Eng. Yeah, and now they live in, now their now their bones live in the Mutter Museum in Philly. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how that worked out. That when they were because uh, they, they, they had wives, but I think they had to alternate because the two wives didn't sleep in the same bed with both of them. Mm. You know, I don't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Didn't get that. That into that. Or one. when conjoined twins decide, make love. Uh. Does one twin just turn off, like just like kind of go vacant, like so the ATL twins? Well, well, they're not conjoined. No, they're not. No, but they sleep with the same woman. Yeah, I think that they're both fully present while that's happening. <laughs> this is true. I'm so, I'm so almost sorry I brought that up. <laughs> I I think they're radically hyper aware yeah, of what's happening. Yeah, just up with the Paul Wall girls. Um, other tw- oh, Zaymot and Tomax, the two twins from GI Joe, where if you punched one of them, the other one felt the pain. Exactly. Does that really happen? Who knows? Yeah, I wouldn't know. I don't know. I don't have a. Didn't twin. they have the same like birthmark, but on di- different sides of their face? Uh huh. And they it's were all coming back to me. They were also corporate raiders. Or the. <laughs> <laughs> They were, were like, not... they were like Trump brothers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When, when they're not belt, bent on uh, world, world conquest, uh, <laughs> oh, they, were, they were terrorizing boardrooms, <laughs> <laughs> diversifying their portfolios. Yeah. So that's fun. I mean, it's interesting <laughs> with G.I. Joe that, you know, they, they were – the Cobra was uh, an international terrorist organization but also a uh, multinational uh, conglomerate. <laughs> I mean, you got to get the funding from somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, so she's so so we don't uh, she doesn't want to kill Allie off the bat. Hetty wants to keep Allie as a proxy for her dead twin. Mm. And um the, it, now this film gets a little bit into this possessive uh it, it feels a little bit like misery where uh where Hetty is is holding Allie captive. Mm. Um and uh, telling Allie that if she doesn't come with her on the run, that Allie's going to take the fall for all of the murders that have happened so far. Well, not all, but the one murder of Sam. Mm. Um, and this <laughs> this is when uh, the 
the would-be hero of the film is is the guy who almost raped Allie. Yeah, which is crazy, that turn. Yeah, so uh, it, this twist of fate leads Mitch, um, the, uh, the would-be rapist who runs the fashion company. He's looking at his computer, and he sees that all of the programs that Allie had installed are going offline, and he's losing all of this data because he hasn't paid her. She had built in this fail-safe like, kill switch. So he uh, tracks her down to the apartment building where she lives and, um, you know, finds her uh, all tied up, uh, taped up. And he he's about to free her when uh, Hetty shows back up. Mm. And, and Hetty is amazing. Hetty beats him half to death and then puts a pillow over his head and shoots him in the face with a pistol. Where did she get these skills? Again, again, this is uh, this is cl- this is classy. Because if you're going to shoot a gun, you muffle the sound. You got to muffle the sound. Got to muffle. <laughs> yeah, I'm liking Hetty now. You know, she seems very capable. You're flip flopping on her, huh? Yeah, yeah. This movie is a roller coaster for me, where I go from you know uh, feeling disgusted by her um, mental instability to uh, appreciating her her prowess and skill. Her ninja-like assassin skills. Yeah. And also, uh, there's this impression I get that she is a serial killer. I was just going to ask you that, actually, because I feel like uh, she's too good not to have done it before. She brings up that there was a woman in Florida. Oh, right. Who went missing. Mm-hmm. And this, Tampa. Yes. she. This woman in Tampa was, uh, was maybe a, a victim of hers that she tried to twin it up with earlier. Um, and that she knows, and then when she goes to cash uh, a get check a check from her parents, uh, the woman behind the counter, the cashier, she says, "Oh, every time you come in here, you look different." So maybe she has even done this other times in New York City, just a body count, and adopted other people's identities. Yeah, yeah, I love it. The ghost is right. Uh, so independently wealthy. Yeah, I wish I was independently wealthy, like crazy heady. Um, but, uh, Allie is going to pull through, man. Allie is, uh, she, she's, she's getting in touch with her dark side. She needs to. Her heart of darkness. You got to fight fire with fire. She's going to turn into Martin Sheen from Apocalypse Now. (laughs) Just staring at ceiling fans. And, uh, yeah, I mean, she, she has to harness this, uh, mean streak that she has, uh, that she used once before in the film when she defended herself against Mitch. Mm-hmm. And she finds the screwdriver, Chekhov's screwdriver. And uh, while they're in the boiler room downstairs and Hetty is trying to incinerate all of the evidence of her ever living there, um, Allie disappears. Mm. And she's hiding uh, in the ceiling. And then swings down from the ceiling and stabs Hetty multiple times. Which is pretty cool to watch. Yes. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good end scene. Yeah, the the scene where the the hunted becomes the hunter. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty good. Uh, the end of the movie. Uh, she's she's uh, on the road to recovery, I guess. Kind of. I guess she's. Got, <laughs> I guess she's got like a new job. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't understand that part. But there's you know PTSD is gonna gonna stick with her for for life. Yeah, she has. Uh, what is it that Hetty? The, the, I think I read this somewhere, but that Hetty has survivor's guilt 
that she had Allie survived. Allie had survivor's guilt. Well, both. Oh. So uh, it's that it's Allie uh, assumes that Hetty's insanity had come from survivor's guilt, mm. having survived her sister's death. Oh, I see. And Allie now feels survivor's guilt having survived Hetty. Mm. And, you know, she Mitch is dead. I don't know how much affinity she felt towards him, but it's pretty traumatic to probably see somebody get shot in the face in front of you. Well, to find out that, you know, someone murdered your fiancé. Yeah, Sam is dead, a stiletto to the eyeball. Mm. Graham, almost dead. Exactly, and she's made it, so she survived this. And who knows, if Graham's alive, maybe this is the prequel to Will and Grace. Uh, a nice follow-up film to this if you like watching sort of obsessive relationships um, unfold and, and you like to see insanity um, described on film. High Tension is is a great, uh, like, a lesbian love um, slasher film. Election kind of fits into that category a little bit. There's there's a little bit in that. Election is a little bit lighter. Well, yeah. It's definitely a little bit lighter. But obsession is part of it. Yes. And... Um, and my final thought is, like, this movie couldn't have happened if everybody had cell phones. Not at all. But – or even Facebook. Unless she was using burners. <laughs> <laughs> right. If she, if she was like the uh, the drug crews from The Wire in Baltimore. <laughs> it would be a lot harder. Anybody yeah. can find you at any time now. But overall, man, I, I'm really happy I watched this again. Uh, I yeah, love, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee's awesome. She's really good. And and it's fun that both of these actresses worked with uh, Quentin Tarantino. This is true. I do uh, regret that Bridget Fonda fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, I don't know what like, happened. After 2002, she just didn't really make any more movies. I think she also comes from like a you know, showbiz family, so she's wealthy and probably just pursued other stuff. Just horse riding. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, you know, being in Hollywood, if you're not that into it, can be a grind. Yes. People that can afford to stay out of it can see through the bullshit maybe and – Move past. Yeah. God bless Bridget Fonda, <laughs> wherever you are. Well, hopefully they'll remake this movie, and uh, I'd like to see someone like Spike Lee direct the remake mm-hmm. and uh, just have it be a little bit more uh, more flavorful. Uh, have it happen. Ethnically like, just, flavorful? Yeah, let's just put this movie in Bushwick, mm-hmm. you know? Like a gumbo, a mm-hmm. jambalaya of ethnicities. Yeah, there's so many there's so many things I would have wanted to see like uh with uh, the single white female. I would have loved it th- watching Allie walk out of her door in the morning and just like bump into a halal cart and be like <laughs> what's up Halid and then like be on the subway like running late to the meeting with Mitch and having like showtime showtime <laughs> like get screamed out at her. Yeah, just like you know real New York shit besides <laughs> like the apartment siege and the interviewing of potential roommates which is the most New York part of this film. Yes. Or just have, like, Hasid landlords, like, oh, knocking yeah. on her door for money. But that would have, yeah. They would have had to soundtrack it, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 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 definitely recommend this to anybody that wants to see um, uh, representations of New York in the 90s in erotic psychological thrillers. <laughs> Two birds with one stone. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.